1: A Day Podcast.
2: Tuesday, March 29th, 2022. Welcome everybody. This is the season finale, if you will, of the Pack a Day podcast between the three of us here. I liken it to like a band farewell tour. Uh, we're we're taking our farewell tour today, but you know full well that we're gonna be back when one of us is broke and, and needs more money or something of that sort. But little transition here during draft season as we'll be doing some different stuff and by we I basically mean me Uh, but I am here tonight I'm your host I'm Jacob Westendorf I am joined as always by Jacob Morley who I feel like I spend most of my weeks with Jake how we hanging
3: Ah, good man Uh, yeah we see each other a lot these days
2: that is correct and somebody who I see less of but you know that's okay uh (laughs) because it's always special when when he's around that is Ross Uggleman Ross I gotta know the biggest game in the history of the Duke-North Carolina rivalry will be this weekend. How are we feeling about that?
1: I mean, all the pressure's on Duke. Truly. You know, I. I it's... He's right. If you think about that as a Duke player right now, like what is Coach K's legacy if we lose this game after losing in Durham like that? Carolina is an eight seed. I mean, look, it's going to suck if K wins, and especially if they win the whole thing. What's the man? Are. If uh if North Carolina finds a way to win that game, you're not gonna be tell tell me nothing. Ever. I <laughs> mean okay, ever.
2: And if they oh, lose
1: man. uh if they lose, I can still make fun of him telling everybody to be quiet after getting blown out at home in front of ninety X players.
2: I think my favorite <laughs> Coach K moment from this season is the the video. The video that they tweeted. Unacceptable.
1: Um, Unacceptable.
2: <laughs> was the the video that they made where he says we don't hang anything other than championship banners at do, and yeah. then it cuts right away to a freaking
4: banner, banner of him
2: <laughs> which yeah. is like yeah it's like I think you said it Roz like is there anybody less self-aware than this freaking guy I know. Maybe I, who knows? He's he's one of the best ever. And I understand all that, but God, he's annoying and they're going to win another <laughs> title and it's going to be even more annoying because they're, they're winning the title. I, I said that in like November, there's nothing that makes more sense to me than, than Duke winning a title in Cade's final season. But that's not why you guys are here. I've talked to college basketball literally every day since I've been on these videos, we're here to talk football. The NFL annual meetings are taking place right now. Uh, so Andy Reid's Hawaiian shirt has made its its debut in all of its glory. Of course, Matt Lafleur. Then uh, I don't remember the name of the brand, but somebody said he was really brand loyal to whatever that was. I don't. That
1: was remember. Matthew. It's a golf
2: brand. There you go. That's why. I mean, I barely know that Nike is a thing. So there's there's <laughs> my level of brand awareness for everybody. Um, but then you've got the general managers, and Brian Gutekunst did speak today uh, to the some of the reporters, and he had a 20 minute session with some of the beat guys. And some things that came through there, obviously a lot of focus on the Devontae Adams transaction. Somebody asked him, you know, why didn't you you know, take the same stance with him that you did with Aaron Rodgers? We're like, we're not trading you. Try and see what happens. Gutekunst basically said they didn't want a $20 million cap bomb hanging over their, over their roster to the point where they would have had to let guys like Rasul Douglas and people of that nature go. Uh, so they thought this was in the best interest of the team said he's going to be able to potentially soften that blow with four picks in the top 60, which might be a smokescreen for, you know, or a tell, some foreshadowing for picking a receiver somewhat early in this year's draft. But we've talked a lot about Devontae Adams. We've talked a lot about receivers over the last couple of weeks. One of the other things they talked about, which we thought was interesting, was the re-signing of Rasul Douglas. So now everybody knows it's Rasul Douglas, Eric Stokes, and Jair Alexander. And that's a group of corners that we never really got to see last year. Alexander played in the wild card round, didn't play a lot of snaps. Douglas and Stokes started together. So they never really had to answer the question of if all three of those guys are healthy, who plays the slot. Now Gutekunst said today that he thought that all three of those guys could play the slot. Ross, what is your take on Gutekunst saying he thought all three of those guys could play the slot corner position?
1: I think it's a little wishful thinking. Um, you know, Jake, Said Jake more like, God, I hate that you're both named Jake. Um, you know, Jake mentioned like in the pre show how he Eric Stokes' change of direction was better, um, than he anticipated. And I think you know, the top of the route is really where people were posting clips after they took him of where he might struggle, uh, things from Georgia, like where people were concerned. and, I think if you have COD questions, like you definitely don't want the guy you're guarding to have a two-way go. And what I mean by that is, you know, obviously slot receiver, he's got room to the, to, to the inside to make a break. And he's got room to the outside to make a break, certainly more than somebody who's lining up on the numbers or even outside that. So the two-way go is I think the, the worrisome thing for, um, for, for Stokes and certainly for Sewell. I mean, Sewell, that's, that's what he doesn't do well is the short area quickness, the agility, stuff like that. You want him on the outside, playing a long zone or sitting in a cover two, you want him playing in the ball. You really want Sewell moving a straight line, kind of back and forth, jumping routes, uh, running. And, and he can run and, and, and running with, you know, receivers going long in a cover four or something like that. A uh, cover three situation, although the Packers don't play a bunch of, you know, very much single high anymore. So um, I, I don't agree, <laughs> I guess is, is, is what I'm trying to say. I think, uh, you know, your better slot options on the roster that aren't Sewell or Stokes is, is definitely Jair because there's nothing. And, and that's what, what Goody said is that there's nothing that Ja can't do. Um, so Jair uh, Darnell Savage played some, some, some nickel and some dime at Maryland. I think he's a very reasonable slot option. And uh, you know, Shemar John Charles, I think is a guy that, you know, doesn't have a ton of long speed, but showed the ability to um, move in, in the short area a little bit at, at uh, Appalachian state. So, that, those are, I think, kind of more your inside options now that, uh, you know, Kevin King is in the wind and Chandon Sullivan plays for the Minnesota Vikings.
2: Which surprise, surprise, another former Green Bay Packer going to play for the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> no, it's death taxes and Packers going to play for the Vikings thing. Jake, he mentioned uh, Darnell Savage potentially moving down. That's a popular thought process. Uh, but I know, like, when that draft came out, that's something you and I were high on, and we had kind of liked him in that sort of role that we're talking about here. So talk to me about Darnell Savage in that star slot type position and just what he could bring to the table and, you know, what the Packers then would in turn need to do to replace him in his current role. Well, I think there is, you know, there's a little bit of a split on,
3: you know, can Darnell Savage, you know, kind of drop down into the slot and be able to handle some of those responsibilities. And I think, you know, it's been a mixed bag in the NFL since he's, since he's been in the NFL, when you kind of look at him um, in man coverage, but go back to the tape at Maryland. That's where he played. Like he was drafted as a safety, but he played, he was basically a nickel at Maryland. And one thing that he does really well is he, he makes explosive plays from the slot or he did, you know, when he was in college. And I think that's kind of what you're trying to get at when, you have it a guy does like in the himself. NFL
2: too, Jake, like not to cut you off, but like when no, he's he done does. stuff like that, like the latter half of the 2020 season, I can just think of, you know, doing some stuff like he did against the Tennessee Titans, not quite a slot defender, but an overhang type defender mm-hmm. or a third and one run stop against Chicago in the, in the season finale that you're like, there are things that they were asking him to do more of at the end of the 2020 season. So we've seen it in the NFL. Yeah.
1: So, just here's some nerd stats for you guys. I've got Pro Football Focus pulled up here for PFF College. So, in 2018, uh, Darnell Savage had two 242 snaps as a box safety, 332 snaps as a slot corner, and just 89 snaps as a free safety. That Mm -hmm. was at Maryland. His last year, the year before that, 167 snaps as a box safety. 337 snaps as a slot corner, but 351 snaps as a free safety. So it was really his junior year uh, where he did a ton of work from free safety position. As he got older, they really moved him towards the line of scrimmage to create more mm-hmm. havoc. And, and that's where, like I said, you see the heavy, heavy snap counts as either an overhang defender or as a true slot guy Um very, very sparingly used as a safety um, as a senior. Well, and that's what's so interesting about him, too, with and, and interesting with the way that the Packers'
3: strategy with drafting defensive backs is sometimes because they took a guy and kind of put him in a position that he wasn't necessarily, you're not, not like bad at, but he just was, that's not where he excelled. He was like similar with Josh Jackson when they drafted him and tried to play him in the slot. That was a head scratcher. It's like, well, why are we doing this? And it, it and a little bit is the same with Darnell because when you've seen him make his plays and when you have and when we have seen him be the most successful, it is when he's closer to the line of scrimmage, and the the pushback that you'll get on Savage is well, he will get beat. He'll get beat sometimes in coverage, but the for one, the Packers on a cover two, right? We're talking about this, so he's not really going to be just covering a guy one on one, and two it's not just about covering in the slot, right? Like that is obviously a a big, a big portion. But when you play him in the slot, I mean, look at all the stuff that Charles Woodson was able to do once he moved to the slot. And I am not comparing Darnell Savage to Charles Woodson, but he could be more impactful than anyone they've had in that position the last few years Um, in the run game uh, as a blitzer with his ball skills in that area. Um, Him in that role to me is exciting. Yes, he may give up some plays in in the slot, but I think he's going to more than make his fair share of plays in the slot as well. And the thing that scares me about Darnell Savage is you see the talent. It, it It is so abundantly clear that he is an extremely talented kid. And the way the Packers have kind of gone about developing their defensive backs in the past, we've seen guys like Micah Hyde go to another team, play in a different spot become an all pro we've seen Casey Hayward leave green Bay really just stay healthy is what he did but still become an all pro and if Savage is not with back with the Packers my fear would be is is another team going to play him in a spot that he that is more advantageous to him and then are we going to have to sit back as Packers fans and go shoot why didn't we why didn't they do that you know here in green Bay and so that I think is a really great option what I, I I feel is a great option. I would love to see Darnell Savage in the in the slot and in that start position. Um, I think, like we like Ross already talked about, I, I would be curious to see Stokes play in the slot. I think that may not be the best usage of his ability because he does have that easy speed that you love to have on the outside. But man, like Ross said, like the one really big thing that you had concerns with with him coming out of Georgia was like man this guy really doesn't change directions that well. He doesn't flip his hips and run that well. I think I thought he did a great job with that last year as a rookie. Like I was very pleasantly surprised with that. And, you know, I think if you would ask Rasul to play in that spot, it would 100% be Goody leaning on the fact that they do run heavy cover too. And he is an instinctive guy and a long instinctive guy. Like maybe he can kind of make his hay doing that. Um, not something I would want to do, but all of us are going to agree that the GM agrees Jair is the best slot option that they currently have on the team. Uh, there's been like a weird uh, thing brought up a lot like about his shoulder, right? Like some people still think his shoulder is not healthy. And fellas, if if we get into training camp and Jair's shoulder is still bugging him, like sound the alarm. That's that's not good. You know, like – I and let me just state – I don't think that's real. I think his shoulder's fine right now. I think he's 100 percent healthy. I would have no issue playing him in the slot. Wondering if his shoulder is going to hold up or not. Um, but it, if it still is hurt, that's not good. But um, Jair, I think is yeah their best slot slot option. And then there's obviously guys in this year's draft class that uh, we could probably talk about that would be able to come in
4: and kind of fill that role as well. With spring break approaching, the sun is coming out, everyone is looking for a partner to impress. There are a lot of things your partner could like. Some prefer tall guys, some prefer big butts, but no one prefers their men with smelly, unkempt nuts. That's why our friends at Manscaped developed their Improved Lawnmower 4.0 to keep the weeds out of your crotch garden. Before you head out on your spring trip, make sure you're groomed from ball to tip. Join the Manscaped movement by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code PACKADAY. The Performance Package 4.0 includes the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer, it will change the way you approach your entire grooming routine. The fourth generation trimmer features advanced skin-safe technology to reduce grooming accidents. You don't want any ingrown hairs or snags around the boys before beach season. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor an on-off travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED light on and off. This trimmer is waterproof. You can trim in the shower, not have to worry about any of the embarrassing cleanup afterwards. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner, the perfect combo to keep the beach balls dry and smelling good for even the most intense Spring Break Dance Parties. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. Get rid of those pesky nose and ear hair. Get ready to smell those flowers bloom in the spring. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof. It uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary blade dual system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology and helps prevent all of those nicks and tugs around those sensitive nose area. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PACKADAY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code PACKADAY at manscaped.com. Manscaped for when you want to be caught with your pants around your ankles.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: So there's two things I learned in there. Uh, Number one is that uh, Darnell Savage might be playing out of position. And number two is that he's the next Charles Woodson. I'm pretty sure Jake Morley said that. So go ahead and quote tweet those. For your next thing. So you talked about replacing him in his new role. Uh, There are some guys. One guy that some interesting news came about today, and it's a guy that, I I mean, I've watched him play, but I haven't put a ton of thought into just because I assumed Kyle Hamilton was going to be a top five, top ten kind of pick. And Matt Miller was reporting today that he ran slower at his pro day and in the four sevens than he did at the combine. Low four
3: sevens. Low four sevens.
2: Than a 459, which is what he ran at the combine. So, this is like the ultimate, maybe not the ultimate, but one of the bigger tests of like tape versus testing. Because Hamilton, prior to testing, there were people calling him the best player in this class, mm-hmm. like over Aiden Hutchinson, over, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, Ross Ogleham's raising his hand. So, he was one of them. So, Ross, let me kick to you here then. What does this change? If anything, as far as Kyle Hamilton and does, I mean, I don't want to have you predict can he fall to twenty two, but like, how far could this fall God. be?
1: Hey. So, so for me, it was pretty marginal. It moved him from one to five. Um, you know, not a huge deal. Uh, but ultimately, you know, for me, the four five nine wasn't disqualifying. People start calling that a fast track. Like, okay, uh, and ultimately, you know, it's. It's, it, it just takes that Nick Collins thing out of his tool set and and look, his tool set is still like I think he's a top five player overall. If he were taken by the Packers at 22, I would there would be no pants. So I'm like I'm still very much a Kyle Hamilton fan. It's just that one thing, and he's done it a ton on film against college players and college quarterbacks with college arm strength and, and whatever. But, like, just that – it's so valuable. And, then again, like I said, Packers don't play a ton of single high. It is so valuable, especially against teams that like to spread you out, to be able to engage that extra defender around the line of scrimmage instead of really having that four-high look. You have a three-high look with, with eight kind of around instead of a four-high look with seven kind of around. It's just a numbers game. And the ability to have that one guy really playing center field like an Earl Thomas – like what we all thought or what I certainly thought Malik hooker was going to be and just has not been Um, having that player is so changing to your defense. It allows you to do so many things. And that's just like the one thing that I think got taken away from Kyle Hamilton at the pro level. If he really is a four, seven guy, because No matter how good your vision is, no matter how good your instincts are, sometimes you just got to tuck tail and bust ass and not get beat for a 70-yard touchdown. And that is concerning to me. Um, I still think he's a great player. I think he's got Pro Bowls in his future as a top five pick. I'm not throwing even all pro out of the question. Um, But he's he's not Derwin James then. You know what I mean? I mean, and and it's not that Derwin plays center field because he doesn't. But Derwin, it was like you saw all this stuff. Plus he's an alien and, mm-hmm. and, and, and Hamilton is just, instead of being an alien, it's just a very good athlete because, you know, we talk about relative athletic score. I want I want people to understand Hamilton is not a bad athlete just because he didn't run. Awesome. This guy has a nine two eight RAS. He is more athletic than 92% of the, of the, 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 the safeties in, in front of him. And it's, because he ran or he has a 38-inch vertical and a ten foot eleven inch broad. This is a very explosive athlete. He's also a, a reasonably agile athlete with a sub seven three cone. He's not a blazer, and, and and that's fine. You like I said, most good players have one elite athletic trait, and he does his enormous size and his explosive ability. Yeah, yeah I think we'll have
2: that and then we'll change. Go ahead. But that with, I'll, I'll well, that I that just, wasn't gonna change.
1: Is I think I think the concern
3: though is like safety is probably kind of a devalued position to an extent. And here you have this kid that you thought was that size, but also the entire package. And now so the question is, well, he is that size. We love his tape, but he isn't the entire package. So then where does that leave you with? But but also it is the tape versus versus the the track because I almost care. I guarantee you that every scouting report that you will read about Kyle Hamilton will mention his range because that shows up in the yep. rows on tape. I mean, the dude is playing sideline to sideline. And I think some of that is you can get away with being a four six athlete. If you, if, if like your route identification is that good. And I believe that it is. If you are already one and a half steps into where you've, where the route concept is leading you, and you're correct, like he is often, it doesn't matter. Uh, Ed Reed, Ed Reed was a mid four or fives guy, one of the best ball hawking safeties we've ever seen, the best seen.
2: safety in the history of the sport.
3: Uh, Marcus Williams just got paid, 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 four five seven forty is what he ran. So like you can get away with it, but I do, I do understand why teams might be like, well, I don't want to take him at four. You know, if, if he's not going to be that 4-4 four, four guy at that size, I don't want to take him at 4. I, I kind of see where teams might be like, we're not comfortable taking him in the top 10 because he's a safety. And if that's the case, I just – I don't get why anyone would want to take
2: him before 21, you know, and let him fall <laughs> to 22. <laughs> oh, that feels like an ulterior motive in that particular <laughs> case. So
3: oh, there's man, that. Would... There's the. I yeah, I would be doing I'd be running through the streets if Kyle I mean and what a shocker that would be. But fellas, does it not happen every year? Remember Miles Jack? Remember Miles Jack? No way. No way he's he's there for the Packers. And then they passed on him. (laughs) They passed on him. You know, and they took and and they were correct.
1: They took Kenny Clark over him and they were right. And I'll say this like About the Miles Jack thing that what just the differentiation is simply they I mean, they do. I don't think enough people understand that both Amos and Savage aren't under contract after this season. But as far as just the way people look at the depth chart right now, they see two decent starters and they're like, yeah, okay, whatever miles jack they didn't have a mike linebacker they didn't yeah. have one so people were freaking out because they're like this guy is a top six talent at our worst position and we can take him and then they didn't and people lost their minds
2: and kenny's really good so god bless
3: kenny clark yes, and ted took, thompson they took who 13 year old kenny clark instead,
2: <laughs> and that was like i think that was ted's final gift to the packers if memory yeah. serves i can't remember if he had another good first rounder after that but um Yeah. So the Hamilton thing is interesting. And Ross, you talked about it. They, you know, they see two decent starters. Well, the Packers play three safeties a lot. And it's kind of the same thing that I've talked about with edge is like, they see two decent starters, but it's like their first round pick at 22 very easily could be a pass rusher for the same reasons we're talking about with them taking a safety because they play three safeties Well, you need three or four good pass rushers at a time as well. So I'm going to be interested to see how that plays out. For Hamilton specifically, right now, if I was betting, I would be betting that he gets picked after 10. But who knows? There's a lot that can happen between now. uh, And the draft is actually one month from as we're recording right now. So, you know, 30-ish days from now uh, away from the draft. Let's go to our final segment. We're talking about some real interesting stuff tonight, guys. The biggest nugget that Jake Morley took away from Brian Gutekunst's press conference today was the punter. Mm. And less so about the punting, but the holding. And Gudakunst essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, and Morley, you can give me a better like view of what he said, but essentially said, Corey Bohorquez is not the punter in Green Bay anymore because he was a crappy holder, and that's kind of what they're attributing a decent amount of Mason Crosbys struggles to from a season ago. so what was your take on that, Jake?
3: Yeah, I mean he didn't deny it, you know they i don't I don't know exactly what he said, but someone brought up the holding, and he said that you know quote unquote, something like that, that has something to do with it, you know? And I remember when Bojo was brought in and that was the big knock on him. Even you ask any Buffalo fan, like he was a terrible holder, terrible holder. And a lot of times people, people love to point out the special teams blowing the game against San Francisco and they're right, but they fail to mention that if, he if Bojo, I can't even I mean I can't even say his last name and I won't learn how. But if Bojo could have just held gotten the hold down for Mason Crosby and he could have made that kick instead of muffing it, you know, or or sitting on it, whatever he did. And it reminds you after the big Aaron Jones completion, didn't get any points out of that because of a muffed snap punt hold. That's why he's not that's why he's not a packer. And I think it has more to do with that as well because I think you go back to why was Mason struggling this season? That's probably why. And, and Judy brought up the fact that O'Donnell is a really good holder. Like, he brought that up. Like, hey, we like the way this guy kicks. He's a great directional kicker. He's used to kicking in this weather. Oh, and by the way, he's an
2: excellent holder. Yeah, there and that's go. got something to do with it, I'm sure. And here's the other thing, just to point out. Packer fans over the years have become enamored with punters that have turned out to like they almost like turned a blind <laughs> eye to him struggling. You know, JK Scott was the weapon for so long, and he never really was. It was that one,
1: one punt, punt in Chicago, the game they and, won 10 to three, and, and that he was got a free pass really, for a long time after that.
2: And Bojo was basically not JK Scott earlier in the season, and to the point where like his stretch, once the weather turned cold, was he was not good either. Yeah, and I think but that had something I to do would, with it too.
3: His, his stretch before that though was historically good. In Green Bay, like he was, yeah, bombing balls. Yeah, but dude, God, when here's... the weather's cold in Green Bay, you got to be a certain type of dude to still be able to kick that thing. And, and a, that's the at thing an average too, rate.
1: because I've heard people. I think like O'Donnell is basically like league average, or twentieth, like yeah. slightly below league average. But he's he's consistent and he kicks it the same way when it gets cold. And that's honestly, I think the Packers are kind of like if you can just guarantee us that this guy will be the 18th best punter in the league and that 13 teams will have worse guys. And it's fine if we don't have the best one like that, whatever. But if you can just guarantee me that this guy doesn't kick it 28 goddamn yards in a very big spot in the cold weather, we'll take it. And and that's, yeah. I think, where they're at. And that's what I talked about with the Basaccia hire in the first place. Everybody's like, well, he's average. Like all his teams rank between 13th and 18th in – and this is how we should be responding to that. Like, <laughs> exactly. Bring the average. I mean, they're the super that they're they are the world champions if their special teams was the 14th best unit in the year in, in the league last year. The world champions. 14 time world champions, not 13, 14 time. If Rich Bisaccio was on staff last year and delivered them the one above or one below league average special teams unit.
3: Here's here's the hot take. If the Packers have, it's Pat O'Donnell, right? Yeah. If the Packers have Pat O'Donnell on the roster against San Francisco instead of Devonte Adams, oh, they're Super Bowl champions. No, no. Yep. Yep. No. What? No. Yep. Shut up. Because Shut if up. Pat, if they can get the kick down, Devonte didn't really do much in that game. What?
0: they had ten Devontae catches. Get him there. Yeah, he had hey, 10 catches. That I just said that game.
3: I didn't say the season. I said that game.
2: He had 10 catches for 100 yards in the game, Jake.
3: Did he?
2: Just uh, a shade under both. But, I don't,
1: but are you, I don't remember that. Are you on drugs? I blocked that game out, guys. Well,
3: I then
5: don't,
1: don't bring know. me. And if you block the not, game out, don't bring me takes. And it's also a punter. Mm, like, who cares?
3: Nope. It's a punter. Get him. <laughs> nope. I'm going to bring you takes. That's what I do. That's nine sort of a take catches for us. 90 yards. Nine catches All right. 90. So Jake
2: Morley's been fired for saying and a punter West, was more important. Westendorf's a
3: liar. Game. He said 10 catches for hundred yards. If you would have had 10 catches for hundred yards, they'd probably win that game.
2: Well, how many catches did he have?
3: Nine for
2: 90. Oh, oh, okay. So excuse me. One more catch for 10 more yards. Could yeah,
3: have been the right. difference. Could have been the difference,
2: fellas. I sincerely doubt that, but that's beside the point. No, they do not win if they have Pat O'Donnell. Instead, of, if they don't have Devontae Adams, and this is a completely really. separate discussion because I know there's a faction of Packers fans that basically think my, the offense could go in next my, year as is without yeah. Devontae and everything's going to be fine because this magical system that just makes people and players better, that's a pile of crap. You still need players <laughs> to play well. I'm telling you, Jake, you're shaking your head at me. That is how Chip Kelly, partially Lazar, how Chip baby,
3: baby. 120 is, catches, 1,800 yards. Let's do no it. chance
2: in hell. That is partially how <laughs> Chip Kelly got fired in Philadelphia because he got rid of all the good players and said, My scheme is better than yours and we'll win no matter who that is. Doesn't work that way. You need the players. You need the players. We're out of time. I've had enough of Jake Morley's crappy takes about punters, so I'm quitting. I will be on a different show hosting with different people. <laughs> uh, I am hosting Wednesday's shows now with Owen Reese and Russell Brown, excited to reunite. With those guys, you guys will have to deal with Morley and Uglum on their own for a couple of weeks. Once the draft is over and there's a lot less to talk about, we will be back together talking through that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westdorf. I will be here one more time tomorrow on the video with Paul Brettel, uh, talking some whatever it is we decided to talk about between now and then. You can find Ross over here. And he is at Ross Uglum. You can find him over at Packer Report, the publisher. Maybe I'll be able to get him to talk into uh, one of them sweet little pullovers or something for me since he said that, you know, there's only one, one of one, but I don't know if I buy that or just not yet. Um, And then Jake Morley, of course, you can catch him with me on the Gold Zone every Wednesday over at Game On Wisconsin. He'll be hosting with Ross here on the Mondays between now and then. And go ahead and get yourself the Cheesehead TV draft guide and the Green Bay draft guide. uh, What? I think 25 combined dollars for the two of them. So all three of us are combined with uh, one of those in one way, shape or form. So check those out, get those going until next time. uh, The Packers, it'll be April. The next time you listen to one of us talk on one of these shows. So that'll be fun. April's draft month. uh, And it's time to kind of get rolling on that. So thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you again uh, next time around and go pack, go.